This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. We're back. Horror Halloween Horror Month continues here on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Maestro Derek Diamond. Yes. <laughs> we're not doing this live on Twitch, but if we were, you could see me just conducting the band. Yeah. Uh, sorry we're not doing any live shows the, the last couple of weeks. This is a weird month for us. We're recording a bunch of episodes ahead of time, and uh, we're, we're coming in and out of town, so... We just we're recording all this stuff up, uh, front loading it for the month, and then uh, we're taking a few weeks off so we can get stuff done. Absolutely, yeah. We're we're actually going to be doing uh, when you hear next week's episode, we're recording that right after this one because I will be on vacation. And I can't so, wait for people to hear the Halloween episode. We had so much fun uh, recording it. Uh, yeah, it was. It was different than anything that we've done on this podcast, but it 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 was a lot of fun. I wouldn't mind actually doing something like that at probably like once a month or every every other month because that was that that was probably one of the the most fun episodes I had actually compiling clips together and you know just talking about something that I love that much. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let, let, let's not talk about that. Let, let's let's let that come in its own time. But tonight we're uh, we're continuing Halloween Horror Month. And um, so, Derek, what have you been doing lately? Well, um, it's actually been kind of an interesting weekend. I've my parents were out of town, so I've been dog sitting all weekend. So it's it's been kind of nice to to get away from, you know, I, I guess if you call Pensacola city life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so because my parents live uh, in a small farming community that I grew up in called Jay and uh, houses really like off the main road, like in the middle of nowhere. So it's really quiet. Um, wrote my uh, third draft of my uh, short film that I've been working on off and on for the last couple of months. Uh, doing some sound editing for Servi, which I hope to have that done. Um, if not by the end of this week, then the following weekend after I get back from my vacation. So, uh, yeah, other than that, um, I, I will say there's this isn't a confirmed thing, and I don't want to jinx it, but there could be a new employment in my future. Sweet. So, uh, but how was your week? Uh, it's been good, man. Uh, I've been really... I'll be honest, I, I'm so exhausted between work and everything else going on. I have too many things going on right now, and I need to start hacking some, hacking some extra things off that aren't necessary uh, as far as things that I have to do throughout the week because I've just overloaded myself. So I got to 
take some time to really think about the things that I enjoy doing and what is important and what's not important. So <clears throat> just so I can have a little more free time, because I don't have a lot of free time lately. It's and it's not it's getting to the point where it's really starting to affect me like mentally. Um, like mm -hmm. I don't know how to relax anymore when I actually do get some free time. I always feel like the, something has to be done or I have to be working on this thing or this thing. And, you know, I got to learn how to relax, man. It, it's getting to that point where I'm like, I just, I just want to sit down for five minutes, you know? Yeah. Trust me. I completely understand. I mean, I, I vented to you the other night about things that are going on with me, you know, and even, even after cutting out a lot of stuff, because I, I remember telling you like, around three or four months ago, yeah. I was doing four different podcasts every single week. And I've cut that down to really one and a half because now my show is bi-weekly. Yeah. But still, I feel like I, I don't have enough time. Exactly. It's, it, isn't it that the way it is? You cut, you cut stuff out and then you end up having more stuff added in to fill those blank spaces. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But actually, um, yesterday I, I had a morning off, so I went to the flea market and um, I actually found Mike Tyson's punch out for, I don't want to say what I paid for it, but I found it for a really good price. And it had, did? yeah, and it had um, the instruction book still with it. And the thing is, I got to the flea market pretty early <clears throat> and I go to this one guy normally that's always there and he always... He doesn't always have Nintendo stuff, but when he does, he has really good stuff. I mean, this is the guy that I bought like Mega Man 2 from, uh, the Ninja Turtles arcade game, uh, all, all that stuff I bought from him. And it's always really cheap and it's, it's stuff that's in good condition. <clears throat> and I went to him and I saw some kid talking to him and the kid had a backpack on and he was walking away from the guy as I was walking up. And I went up to him. He was like, hey, man, how are you doing this morning? I was like, I'm really good. Uh, you got any uh, video game stuff this weekend? And he was like, yeah, man. Uh, he's like, I did. And I told him, I was like, because he asked me, he's like, you looking for PlayStation or stuff like that? I was like, well, not really. I said, I'm, I'm really just looking more for Nintendo stuff. And he's like, well, that guy right there that was here just before you bought, bought me out, I had a bunch of stuff this morning. I was like, oh, <laughs> and then I'm walking around. The uh, the flea market and this guy <clears throat> is there walking around, too, and he's like walking in front of me and I can see him just looking everywhere. And my friend Dorian was with me and I was like, see that guy right there? That's the guy that got here right before me. I was like, we need to get in front of him so we can find <laughs> the stuff before he does. So it was just a play. It was a game of cat and mouse the entire time I was at the flea market. But uh, but the guy that I usually buy my stuff from, he said he has another uh, lot of Nintendo stuff he's going to bring next weekend. So I hope I hope I have some time to get over there to find out what he's got. Hopefully so. That would be awesome. But no, the, the deal you got for Mike Tyson's punch out was awesome. And yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit off air, but that, that's a game I've only played a handful of times. But everybody knows what Mike Tyson's punch out oh, is. It's an essential NES title. If you have a Nintendo or, you know, <clears throat> a Retron or something like that. And sorry, I'm so coffee tonight. <clears throat> I'm like, really? that's all good. It's the weather. Um. But yeah, it's an essential Nintendo game. You have to have Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. It's one of the top 10 best titles on the NES. And I played it for so long yesterday. 
um, just whenever I had 10 free minutes, I would just jump on and play a couple of rounds. And I got pretty far. I actually had some time off last night to sit and play for a few hours. And I got, I think, up. I was like 11 and 0 before I finally quit and had to go to bed. And um, so, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I forgot just how good that game actually is. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, I've looked up clips online and just, you know, when you get to fight Mike Tyson himself, it's such a it's it's such an iconic moment in video games. It's brutal. I've never been able to finish him or um, Mr. Dream and the regular punch out. They replaced him with in regular punch out, but I've never been able to beat the game uh, in the 30 years that I've played the game. I had it when I was a kid, could never beat it. I don't plan on being able to beat it as an adult, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. Just when you think the SNES Classic is enough, we hear about the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Is Nintendo secretly working on the Game Boy Classic? And this comes to us from Nerdist.com. I say between no. The, <laughs> between the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, Nintendo has apparently realized that there's still a lot of interest in its original console systems, assuming fans can find them, of course. Speculation has already led many fans to naturally assume that an N64 Classic would be the next logical step. But today, Nerdist News is following a report out of Japan that may mean the original Game Boy is going to get a classic edition as well. Uh, Let's see. Game Boy was Nintendo's first portable console and was a little primitive by today's standards. Black and white games may not catch the eye of many modern gamers, but Game Boy's games were incredibly fun, including Super Mario Land, Tetris, and of course, the very first Pokemon titles. So, Jason, what would your thoughts be? Because I know you said you were never into the Game Boy when it came out. What are your thoughts on this? There's no point. How do you make a Game Boy Mini as uh, or a Game Boy Classic unless you just re-release the Game Boy? <clears throat> and another thing, most of these companies, especially Nintendo, they're, they patent and copyright stuff like this all the time. Because they have to protect their their properties, and you know the 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 copyrights and the patents only last for so long, so they have to be renewed. And I think that that's what this is. And plus, if they're calling it a Game Boy Classic, I think it's just Nintendo covering their bases. I don't think they have any plans of re-releasing a Game Boy Classic. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I with you know with the Nintendo 3DS and or and everything that's out there now as far as it would make more sense to compile all these games you would do for the Game Boy and put them all together in an iPhone app or Android app and be able to play and have some sort of peripheral to hook to your iPhone or something like that. That that would make more sense to me. I don't think there's much of I, I i don't know i just i don't see that, that there's much of a market for this i don't necessarily disagree with you i like the idea of maybe making an adapter that you can attach to your iphone or your android to give it kind of the the perception or the look of yeah. a game boy 
and you just do one app that has like, oh, this comes with 25 original Game Boy games. Or you could do that, or you could also just release all of them on the Switch. Because yeah. the Switch is a portable console. The Game Boy is a portable console. But, I mean, we, we've heard rumors about what Nintendo is going to do with their, you know, their eShop or their virtual console or whatever. But I think it would be smart of them to release, like, a, a compilation of, you know, like, 20 or 25 original Game Boy games. Like, you do your Mario Land, you do your Pokemon, um, and then throw some other ones in there, too. Yeah, I, I, I was a huge fan of the Game Boy, but I'll say when it comes to the classic consoles, I would rather them do a Nintendo 64, you know, for their next one. I mean, if, if they do a Game Boy one, I'm not going to not buy it, but I think demand would be better if it were released on, you know, a smartphone, yeah. because that's, a, that's an avenue that Nintendo has only briefly tapped into. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I don't think there's a demand for this because I think the idea of the Game Boy <clears throat> is a lot, is, uh, I, what do I want to say about it? It's clouded by nostalgia <laughs> is the best I can say because these games were not, you know, the graphics weren't great. Um, the gameplay was probably there, but, these games didn't look good, man. You know, that Game Boy screen was awful. And I just don't think the, you know, people are going to be as willing to throw down money for a Game Boy classic as they are like a Nintendo classic or Super Nintendo or even a Nintendo 64 classic, which I don't think is coming anytime soon. I think they're going to give it a few more years, but... That's just my opinion. I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there screaming at me right now. They're all oh, the Game Boy's great. I still play my, and that's fine. You know, I personally didn't like the Game Boy all that much. I never really found it to be all that fun. Of course, I never went on vacations as a kid and never played it like, you know, when I was on vacation or on car rides or things like that. So I had no reason yeah. to play one. I always just played my Nintendo, so I don't have the nostalgia for the Game Boy that some people might have. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I, I love the Game Boy, but I would much rather see them... Would you be willing to throw down, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 bucks for a Game Boy Classic? If it had a ton of games on it, yes. If they did, like... But that's the thing. If it's going to come with, like, 20, 25 games... That's then I would it. say no. I, if it's got a hundred games on it, maybe. I would or, do a hundred, but I I really think that they have, they have the potential to use that to tap into into smartphone apps. Yeah, I think that would be the smarter way to go. I mean, it, Nintendo is going to have to embrace mobile gaming at some point. I mean, yeah, they're still all in on the Nintendo DS. That's, you know, that's their bread and butter. It's been their bread and butter for a long time. It's what kept them going through the Wii U failure and, you know, stuff like that. But, man, I just, I, I don't see the, the appeal of this at all. Yeah, I mean, I knew this was going to come up at some point because, you, you mean, you can't ignore the Game Boy, but... yeah. 
you know, there, there's like no I telling said. what Nintendo is going to do. I mean, I, I say that, you know, the one thing you can say for sure about Nintendo is nothing's for sure. But if Nintendo is going to embrace or, or kind of dip their toe into the mobile market, this would be the way to do it. Put out a compilation yeah. of, you know, 20 to 25 of their best Game Boy games and put them on a mobile device and charge, you know, $4.99 for it. That would be the way to go to me. Yeah. Yeah, and then if that's really popular, you can down the line do, you know, Game Boy Compilation Volume 2. Yeah, exactly. And release another 20 or 25 games. Because you can make don't... it like a yearly thing. Yeah, and like 25 games would take up, what, like five megs on your phone, you know? Yeah. Like they're not huge at all. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of the Game Boy games were really, really short. So, a char you know, if you're going to do a Nintendo Game Boy Classic and only put like 20 25 games on it and charge 75 80 bucks that's just not worth it in my book that's yeah. a money grab at that point no i i don't disagree with you on that but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history in October of 1984, Nihon Falcom releases Dragon Slayer, which lays the foundations for the action role-playing game genre, which was then, when it came to America, about four years later, it was renamed Dragon... No, was that it? Let, let me make sure that I'm not speaking out of my butt right now. Uh, is that the one that... You don't they, want Wally to correct you. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get the... Uh, <laughs> the fact check. The fact checker on me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh no this might be different i might be thinking of something else because i'm thinking of uh what is it why is my brain not i'm thinking of dragon warrior good lord what is wrong with me today <laughs> it's yeah, all good this is not what dragon warrior originally dragon warrior was originally dragon quest okay now my neurons are firing okay well i'm back on track now i'm back people i'm back <laughs> but speaking of dragon slayer i i don't really know about this game so it looks like it was put on the sega saturn at some point but i don't remember this game at all yeah it says here uh let's see it was released originally uh in japan in the early 80s in 1984 for the pc 8801 and then uh then it made its way to the game boy uh, in 1990 and Sega Saturn uh, as part of the Falcom Classics Collection in November of 97. But all these release dates say Japan, so was, I don't think this was ever released outside of Japan. Probably not. Hmm. Cool. Well, in October of 1992, Sega releases Virtual Racing by Yu Suzuki and AM2 in the arcades, laying the foundations for subsequent 3D racing games and popularizing 3D polygon graphics among a wider audience. This sounds vaguely familiar. I'm going to look this up. I remember Virtual Racing. Uh, that must have been... Yeah, it was an arcade title. I think there's, you can still find them in random arcades around the country. Yep, I, I have seen these before. That This looks very, very familiar. I never played this game, but I do remember seeing it in arcades. Yeah, I'm sure you can find one at uh, your local Pizza Hut right now. <laughs> probably in october of 1992 gremlin graphics releases zool a character-based platformer following in the footsteps of mario and sonic it goes on to become the best-selling amiga game 
Zool. Let's look up Zool. Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, it's like this little ninja guy. Um, he's yeah, he's a gremlin, uh, gremlin ninja. Uh, it says here he's forced uh, to land yeah. on Earth, and in order to gain ninja ranking, he has to pass seven lands, beating a boss at the end of each of them. I never played this game, but I I do have I have memories of this. I remember seeing this in stores. I never played them though. Yeah, I do too. I never played it, but I do remember this game being out in stores. On October 8th, 1992, Midway Games releases the Mortal Kombat arcade game in North America, which features bloody fatalities, digitized characters, and started a franchise of games and movies. I mean, you know, we've we've spoken for Mortal Kombat on multiple occasions. It's probably, in my opinion, the most iconic fighting game of all time. Between that and Street Fighter are probably the two most recognizable um, fighting games of all time. Yeah. And I, I will say, I wish that I wish there could be like a really good mortal Kombat movie or Netflix series. Cause they, they did a web series a couple of years ago called mortal Kombat legacy. That was actually really good. Uh, the, the, all the episodes are on YouTube. I think there are like seven, it's like seven or eight episodes in total, but it, it was a really well put together series. Oh, I'm sure they've got something brewing somewhere. There's always a Mortal Kombat something coming out soon. And something I'll I'll ask the listeners before we move on: Who was your favorite Mortal Kombat character? Because I'll, I'll say mine, without a shadow of a doubt, was Sub Zero. Uh, I always like love Baraka. Oh, that's a good one too. I was just always a fan of the ice moves. Oh yeah, him, him, and uh, I always like uh, what was the other guy? Not uh, Sub Zero, but Scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah, I always liked it when I could land the uh, what is that thing he always shoots out the uh, the spear with the the rope. Yeah, and he yells, "Get over yeah, here!" Get over here. And when I would land that, it's like the greatest feeling. <laughs> uh, it looks really awesome in the because they did the I think it was Mortal Kombat Nine uh, for Xbox 360, and it was a huge game when it came out. Because that was like the first Mortal Kombat game in years. Yeah. So just you know, playing classic. Because uh, my friend Micah that I used to play video games with all the time, he was a huge Scorpion fan. So when we got the game, you know, we had to do the classic Sub Zero and Scorpion. And every time he would do that move, he would look at me and yell, "Get over here!" And I'm like, <laughs> "Shut up." <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, on October fifteenth of nineteen ninety two, there's a lot of nineteen ninety two stuff came out this month. Uh, Sega releases the controversial Night Trap video game for the Sega CD console. Uh, The only thing I can say about this is go watch the documentary on YouTube right now. Night Trap, uh, 25 Years of Night Trap. Really good documentary. It's only about an hour long, uh, and you will appreciate everything that went into the making of this game. Yeah, I I still need to watch that. I've, I've been wanting to, but just haven't had the time to really. Yeah. And our last bit of this month in video game history for this episode comes to us on October 21st, 1992. Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins is released for the Game Boy and also includes the first appearance of Wario. This this was one of, it was probably my top two or three favorite uh, Game Boy games. It's, Mario Land was cool, but Mario Land 2 kind of took the the portable Mario game to a to a new level. It included 
uh, Wario, who was the villain in that game. And I remember the story is Mario owned a castle that was taken over by Wario. So you had to go through these six little mini, uh, mini lands to um, get the six golden coins so you could unlock the castle. And it included uh, one of the power-ups that I actually really liked, but I don't think has been included in any other Mario game, are the uh, the rabbit ears, which gives Mario rabbit ears, and you jump and you keep pressing the A button over and over, and the, the ears will kind of like flip uh, like back and forward, and you can basically glide throughout the air, which is, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's a fun game. And, you know, it's it's one of the more underrated Mario games because no one ever really talks about it because it's it, people acknowledge the original Mario Land. But to me, Mario Land 2 was a much better game. And then uh, Mario Land 3 was uh, was starring Wario. That was his first game. And that was a lot of fun, too. Well, maybe if they come out with the, the Game Boy Classic, they'll include it on there. Uh, knowing them, they probably just include the first one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but let's go ahead and talk right now. Uh, we'll talk about some books, and then we'll go into our review for this week. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks now, but starting to get back in that Star Wars frame of mind, especially with that awesome trailer that just came out oh, yeah. for The Last Jedi. Uh, I've downloaded uh, Star Wars Leia, which I'm actually going to start listening to tomorrow. Um, also got Phasma. I- I've been kind of backloaded on credits. And then I pre-ordered the Legends of Luke Skywalker book. So um, definitely going to give those a listen. Uh those that I have listened to, I've mentioned before, Star Wars Bloodline is a really great book if you want to kind of tie some of the loose ends between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. They've got uh, romance books. They've got mysteries, fiction, nonfiction, autobiographies. Literally any type of book you want, Audible and has. And if you're always If you like oh, magazines, ahead. they have periodicals as well. That's true. That is very true. And if you're always on the go like I am, Audible is a fantastic service to be able to continue to read without having to sit down and actually read a book. So, again, to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And tonight we're going to be talking about... Ah, yes. Super Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, I will say this was one of when we were talking about what games we were going to review for October. This was the first one that really came to mind. One, because through briefly playing the original Castlevania and really enjoying it, and also because it was a Super Nintendo game. Uh, this was a game that, um, unfortunately, I did not play 
when it first came out because it was one of those things that, you know, I just played so many games for the Super Nintendo that there were several that passed me by, like this one uh, and multiple other ones, which I hope to review on future episodes. But I was really excited to get to review it uh, with it being available on the SNES Classic. I'm briefly playing it. Um, I, I have not I've not completed the game, so I, I can't give it like a full beginning to end review, but I can give uh, my thoughts on it, you know, so far. So to tell a little bit about Super Castlevania 4, it is a platform game developed and published by Konami and the first Castlevania game for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It was originally released in 1991 and later re-released on the Virtual Console in 2006 for the Wii, 2013 for the Wii U, uh, 2016 for new Nintendo 3DS, and of course, the Super NES Classic Edition. Now, I will say, I was expecting to compare this to the last game I reviewed, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. I like this game so much better. <laughs> well, as hard it's, as this game is, it's still way more fair than Super Ghouls yes. and Ghosts is. Like Super Ghouls and Ghosts is just punishingly brutal for no reason other than to be punishingly brutal. Yeah, and trust me, this game is not easy. I mean, there's a reason that I've only made it to the fourth stage. But this game but, is more based on skill. Like if you can't yes. get past a certain place, then the more you play it, the better you're going to get. With Super Ghouls and Ghosts, it's just it's just hard for the sake of being hard. Yeah. And uh, let's see. To give some background on the story, um, let's see. This is from the Castlevania Wikipedia page. Uh, it takes place in the year 1691, and you control uh, Simon Belmont as he attempts to uh, as he attempts to kill Dracula. Which that that's kind of a common theme among the Castlevania games, from from what I'm gathering. Yeah, he's pretty much uh, cursed to to kill Dracula over and over and over again. Uh, it's a side-scrolling platform game where the player takes control of Simon through eleven levels. Players begin the game with three lives, and it ends in a game over once they have lost them all. Now that does go into my one major gripe with this game. And it's much like your uh, your criticism with Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and that is the stupid password system. Oh. They do so, that on the Super Nintendo Classic. I, well, you can you can do your your save your save points, mm -hmm. but like if you die and you get a game over, then yeah, you still have to do the password. Oh, that sucks ass. <laughs> oh, it was well, it was funny because I played it a few days ago and I only beat like the first level. So I was like, okay, I'll just I'll come back and, you know, play it again some other time. So I was playing it more last night and I went to the continue screen. And I was like, oh, I must have it must have automatically saved. And then I see this screen with, I think it was like 12 or 16 boxes that you could put stuff in. And I was like, oh, no, it's the password system. <laughs> Doesn't it just break your heart when you see that? Like you play these games and you're just like, weren't we past that at this point? Didn't we have the technology to save yeah. games? I mean, really? I mean, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like Sarah was sitting, you know, in the chair next to me and she was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, this is a password system. 
she said, what's a password system? And I said, well, in a lot of older games, instead of automatically saving it for you, they give you a password that you have to put in to you know, resume your progress. And she said, well, that's dumb. I was like, yeah, it is, especially <laughs> with what well, with an NES game. I kind of get it, but that's inexcusable with yeah, an SNES game, in my this, opinion. This game came out at a time when we had the technology to do to to be able to save games. It, all it took was a watch battery, and you yeah, and put a save system in the game. Why they weren't doing it at this point is beyond me. Yeah, yeah, but I I will say, you know, comparing this game to Super Ghouls and Ghosts, to me the controls are I don't know if they're any easier, but they feel easier. Yeah, the the game has like a very natural flow to it. Um, it does play similar to Castlevania One, um, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. And you know, so far, I'm just I'm really enjoying it. Like I'm actually enjoying getting into the the lore and the story of the Castlevania series because it, it's an entire franchise that just completely passed me by uh, when I was younger. So I, I think it was a combination of you reviewing Castlevania One. And then the the animated series that came out on Netflix just really kind of drew me into it. But the the controls are not overly complicated. I love that you can actually go into the menu and set what you want the jump button to be, what you want your whip button to be, what you want the special item button to be. Because I, I prefer, like... A lot of older games, I've noticed the jump button, especially on Super Nintendo, is the B button. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I like having it as the A button. So just being able to have that that customizable feel yeah. to a game, I, I think is is really really key. And you know, it, the the gameplay is fairly simple. I mean, you you walk through different areas and you kill undead enemies. So it, it's I I've, I have found that I haven't really used the special item that much, except when it comes to boss fights. Yeah. But uh, it, that's it, pretty it's much just... been true for most of the Castlevania series. I mean, the some of the the power up items, the secondary weapons, some of them just really aren't worth a crap, but they work really well against you know the boss fights. So you kind of save them for those those nasty boss fights you get into. Yeah, I'm reading here on the development and release section uh, that it was. Uh, it was directed by Masahiro Yuno, and he considered Super Castlevania for a remake of the original Castlevania to some extent. Do you feel like that's the case? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid and I played it, I actually thought it was a remake. Like, I knew it was the fourth one, but I, when I was a kid and I played the game, I thought it was so similar to the first one that I was like, oh, well, they just took the, they just took everything and redid it for the Super Nintendo, and they just called it four. So I knew even as a kid that it was pretty much just a remake. I did notice that to an extent, you know, other than the, the gameplay to me being a little better and the graphics looking a little better. Yeah, they it, did. it does have some similarities to it. But I, I also think that the first one works so well and it obviously spawned, you know, a, a long term series that, yeah. you know, at, at that time, if it's working, why change it? 
Well, I, it was sort of the same thing with like Metroid as well, like Super Metroid. It's so similar to that, you know, the Metroid of the the NES. It's pretty much there. They were just like, all right, we have this franchise that everybody loves, and now we have the ability to have better graphics, better sound, better gameplay. Let's just redo that for this system. So it made yeah. sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is one of the better reviewed games that I've seen that I think either of us have reviewed. Um, let's see. Upon Super Castlevania 4's North American release, the game was acclaimed by critics. Nintendo Power gave the game four uh, overall scores of 4, 4, 4.5, and 4.5 out of 5. Uh, it cited the game's graphics, music, and action sequences as positives. Uh, All Game gave it 4.5. GamePro gave it 5. IGN gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, Game Rankings gave it an, an 82%. Uh, Nintendo Life wrote, unlike many of the other 16-bit platformers of the era, the game <clears throat> excuse me, has a mature and distinguished feel to it and concluded it was the best of the original Castlevania installments. I would agree and with several, that. And several publications have praised it as one of the greatest video games of all time and has sold over half a million copies worldwide. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's one. I, well, I would probably put it in the top, I'd say, 25 greatest video games ever, along with the very the, the first Castlevania for the NES. Yeah, it's got its problems. It's a little too hard in spots, but that's just the way the games were then, you know? And yeah, you can go back, and the gameplay is so fun that you kind of overlook the flaws of the original Castlevania and you look at Castlevania and the jump that they made from one to three and, you know, the graphics got better. Uh, you know, the, the music was always great. And then you roll around to the super Nintendo era and these games were great like this and super Metroid. Um, it's just so fun to play these games. And I just love like the aesthetic of the Castlevania games. I mean, it's the perfect game to play, especially, you know, for the month of October or for Halloween. And if you love like horror movies and classic horror movies and, you know, Frankenstein and, and Dracula and things of that nature, the mummy, like this is right up your alley. And that's how I was as a kid. I loved all that stuff. And this game just embodied all of that. Yeah. And, and I will say, you know, I haven't made it too far into the game, but I like how all the levels like they're different, but they all kind of, you know, combine together in a way like at the and you start with the outer walls of, of a castle mm -hmm. and then you go on to, to a lake, which was probably the more frustrating one of the two. And then, uh, the, the one after that, I can't remember exactly where it takes place, but it's the one that has like all the spinning traps in it. Yeah. That that's the one that I'm stuck at right now. Yeah, that's another thing that they really included a lot in this game was the mode seven graphics uh, mm -hmm. that the Super Nintendo was known for at the time, and it was one of their selling points. It's like, oh, mode seven, and they would do all this crazy stuff with it, and they really used it a lot in this game. Yeah, but no, so far, you know, like I said, I I haven't completed the game. But I'm really, really enjoying it so far. I, I mean, it might be because it's a Super Nintendo game, but I, I am liking it quite a bit more than the the original version. 
so I, I'd so far I'd give this game probably, um, I'd probably give it a solid seven. Yeah, that's that's a good score. Especially, yeah, you know, yeah, I it, I would love to see what you would give it once you actually finish the game, and see mm-hmm. what you would give it as a whole. Yeah, but no, I, like I'm definitely this is a game that I'm going to keep playing. But oh, but I would definitely say if you're if you're a Super Nintendo fan and you want to add a really good game to your collection, I would say definitely keep your eye out for Super Castlevania 4. And it was one that I will say I do regret, you know, not playing at its heyday when it came out. Yeah, I've always been on the hunt for this game uh, at flea markets, yard sales, etc. And I found it a few times, but I'm not willing to pay what people are asking for it. This is one of those games that goes for top dollar. And I'm talking about, I found a copy with, you know, uh, a sticker that was like, you know, uh, that was half ripped off. Like you couldn't even read Castlevania 4 across the top of it. And uh, the cartridge is kind of dirty and beat up. And they were asking 50 bucks for it. I'm like, uh, no thanks. Yeah. If I'm going to pay 50 bucks for it, I want one that at least looks good. Yeah. But yeah, this is one of those ones that if you come across it and you find it for under, you know, 30 bucks, snatch it up because it's really hard to find for a good price. Yeah, absolutely. But definitely, definitely play Super Castlevania for it. It's been a lot of fun. But yeah, um, I think that's going to do it for this week. And next week, Halloween Horror Month continues. And I will be talking about The Seventh Guest, which was a computer game that one of the the, they called the killer apps for the CD-ROM back in the 90s. And I'm going to be talking about that next week. So, Derek, is there anything else you want to talk about before we leave here tonight? Um, no, just um, be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience. Uh, I, I think I announced it last week on the show, but it's going to be bi-weekly for now. So this, uh, this week there will be an episode. Uh, I'll probably be doing another Facebook Live uh, Q and a, uh, on Wednesday night, probably around nine 30, uh, central time. But I am going to finally interview a guest that I've been wanting to have on the show for a while. And it's someone that, you know, quite well, Mr. Joey image. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, I'll be, I'll be review, uh, interviewing him, um, later on in the week. So in two weeks, his interview will be out. Fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and this week, uh, what did we do for PCP this week? I don't even remember. Hold on. Let me look it up real quick so I can. I you had can Joey push. Image on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we had Joey Image on this week. And uh, the episode's called Bacchiotomy, episode 159. We talked to Joey about his uh, his recent back surgery and his recovery because, as everyone knows, that Joey was, uh, was a wrestler for years and years and years. And he really messed his back up. And uh, we... We're roughly the same age. We're about two weeks apart, and you know I'm suffering from physical ailments from the the my chosen profession for over twenty years. So we kind of discuss what it's like to finally start feeling the repercussions of the of our youth. <laughs> so I think it's a good yeah. episode to go check out. It's at PCP Show on Twitter and PCPRadio.com. Nice. Yeah, definitely go check it out. It was a really good episode. 
Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here and we'll start our next episode, which will be, uh, the next week's episode for you fine folks. And it'll be, uh, right after this one for us. So, uh, let's go ahead and let me read our stuff here. Man, nah, 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 nah. I'm so unprepared tonight. <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me play our music. God, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. trying to get everything set up here. It's all good. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at, um nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're on nerdcaveretro.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro uh, and you can follow us individually on twitter at jfantastic and at derek underscore diamond we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro so derek tell them what it's all about may the way of the hero lead to the triforce Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.